Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 38 is where we find ourselves in the Bible. And if you will take your Bibles, hopefully you bring them every week. And uh, let's open up God's Word and see what it has to say for us uh, today. As you're finding that, just a reminder that as we've been looking at the announcement of uh, the divine conception of the Christ child, uh, we started off looking at context. And we've been looking at context for two weeks. We started off looking at the chronological and the geographical context of this whole storyline because it's important to me that you understand this is not a fable, this is not a myth, this is not just some fanciful story, but this happened in real time in a real place with real people. So we looked at that to make sure we understand that. And then we went from there to look at Mary's personal context. What is the context of her life and her circumstances and, and also uh, the things that, that are said about her? For example, uh, the claim that she was a virgin. Uh, that doesn't surprise me or doesn't in any way bother me that she was a virgin when the angel came to tell her about all this. The big deal and the big news was, Mary, you're going to conceive as a virgin and you will remain a virgin, so your virginity will not be taken away from you in conceiving this, this, this child, and she was going to continue being a virgin until she gave birth to the, to the Christ child. So we looked at that context and we, we discovered the reasons why we can have high confidence that that is true. We also considered the fact that Mary is of no different stock than you or I, simply meaning this, that Mary was born a sinner. She found herself in the same need of saving grace that you and I find ourselves needing. Uh, She is highly favored, highly favored, in that she was the recipient of uncommon divine grace to be part of God's redemptive plan. But at the end of the day, she had to bow her knee to Jesus as her Savior and Lord, the same as I do, same as you do, because we are all fallen people in need of God's good mercy and grace. If you miss those two contextual messages, um, you can find them and others at our website, themissiondsm.org, under the Resources tab. I want to refresh our minds in the passage, so let's read it now for the third time in as many weeks. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, 
the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. As we approach verse 31, we find Gabriel making this abundantly clear. That the child that Mary would give birth to would be given a specific name. Now think about that for a moment. Joseph and Mary did not receive the right to name their own child. Uh, Meg and Alex, I'm sure, chose the name of their daughter, Amelia Rose. Something they worked on together and decided. Mary and Joseph didn't get that. And so Gabriel says, you're going to give him a specific name. In Greek, that name is pronounced Jesus. In Hebrew, Yeshua. In English, it comes out Jesus. Regardless, it means Yahweh saves. That's the name that was to be given. Now, perhaps you're beginning to understand, even in our short little time here in the Gospel of Luke, that when we come to Scripture, names mean something. They're not just arbitrary, oh, that sounds nice, let's put those two things together and that's what you'll be called. Uh, No, oftentimes there's a a reason, a meaning behind that. For example, let's go back just a couple of weeks. Remember Zechariah? Zechariah's name means God has remembered. And then there was Elizabeth, his wife, and her name means God my oath or God my faithfulness. And they had a son, and he was to be given the name John, and John means God has been gracious, God has shown favor. And you'll, if you remember the storyline about them, you'll understand why those names and, and those meanings are so significant. And now here comes the Messiah, and his name means Yahweh saves. When I think about the meaning of his name, I'm reminded of what Luke, the same author, recorded in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. It's a sermon that the apostle Peter was preaching after Pentecost, after the coming of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he said to the crowd he was speaking to. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other, say it, name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Names are very important, and Jesus' name means Yahweh saves, and Yahweh does save, but listen to me carefully, he only saves through Jesus. No one else. Nowhere else. Only through Jesus. When Peter made this pronouncement in his message, he's referring to Mary's baby, and we come to find out that Mary's baby, his name, foretold his purpose. As we continue on in verse 32, just the very beginning there, we find Gabriel went on to say that this Jesus will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. This speaks to his nature and his, divin- of his, nature and his identity. Let's speak first of all, look first of all at his nature. Now when I use the word nature in this context right now, uh, it, it speaks of in inherent qualities or features of something. Inherent qualities or features. And it kind of harkens back to last week's message when we, we, we dealt with this issue about Mary. And we asked the question last week, was Mary, uh, was she uh, one whom grace was conferred upon? Or was she a person whom grace was intrinsic to her nature? 
And we discovered last week that in Mary's case, grace was conferred upon her. She wasn't born with it. She didn't naturally exude it. This grace that she had was something that God gave her as a gift. In Jesus' case, the angel is telling us just the opposite. And he's telling Mary that the greatness of Jesus will be intrinsic. Intrinsic to his nature. In fact, Jesus is the very definition of greatness. I want to return again just for a few moments back to the announcement of Gabriel to Zechariah. Remember there in the temple when Zechariah came and said, you and Elizabeth will have a son and you're going to name him John. And remember that Gabriel said John would be great also. But there was a qualifier. When Gabriel said John will be great, he said John will be great in the sight of the Lord. A qualifier. When he now says it to Mary, no qualifier, he will be great. It's not just the, the, uh, the uh, subtraction of a few words. The, we, we believe in, 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 in um, uh, the verbal uh, inspiration of Scripture, meaning that the very words we find in the original manuscripts come from God. They come out of God. So this is a purposeful communication. It brings us to our first truth point. And that is that John's greatness, John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, his greatness was not intrinsic, but was something given to him by God, just like it was the grace was given to Mary. And God would see him as great because of the work he had been chosen to do. But Jesus' greatness comes without qualification. It was not conferred because of some external duty or achievement, but was strictly based on who he is. As we think about who he is, the Apostle Paul received this revelation from the Holy Spirit. Speaking of Jesus He writes in Ephesians 1.21 that he is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, there's that name again, every name that is named, he is above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And so what we come to see is that Jesus' greatness would not be earned. Let me just stop and say it like this. The fact that Jesus went to the cross, that is great. Especially when you think of why and what happened there. And the fact that he rose from the dead, that is great. But Jesus' greatness is not because he went to the cross, nor because he rose from the dead. He was great before those things even happened. His greatness is not because of. His greatness simply is. Because of who he is. Which leads us then to that question of identity. Who does Gabriel tell us that Jesus is? Notice, and he will be called the son of the most high. Most high in that verse is translated from the Greek word hoopis. I knew I was going to mess this up. Hoopsistos. Which is the Greek equivalent of Hebrew name of a Hebrew name for God, El Elyon. By the way, let me just stop and tell you that when I try to use when I try to throw out these Greek and I'm not trying to impress you. Because obviously if I can't even pronounce the words, that's not very impressive. There's a reason, and it's because these words matter, okay? That's all I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to impress you. I'd spend way more hours trying to memorize those words if I was trying to impress you. But but the fact is is that the word that's translated most high in Greek comes out of and is a an equivalent of one of the Hebrew names for God, El Elyon, which means supreme sovereign ruler. 
And I can only imagine that this communication must have been overwhelming to Mary. Here she is, 14 years of age, in some little, I don't know what, some little something, hovel somewhere in this little no-name town, and this angel comes and says, Mary, you're going to conceive a child while you're still a virgin. Mary, you're going to name him Yahweh saves. Mary, he will be inherently great because of who he is. And Mary, he is the son of the supreme sovereign ruler. Wow. Truth point number two, to say that Jesus is the son of El Elyon is to say that he is of the same character, nature, and essence of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The writer received this from the Holy Spirit. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God. And read it with me. And the what? The exact imprint of his nature. This is no ordinary being here that she's going to be carrying in her womb for the next nine months that's going to be coming out and thrilling the world. He is the exact imprint, the exact representation in the flesh of God. But there's more. You would think that's enough. But I want you to take note that for this 14-year-old nobody from nowhere, there's more. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.